Department of Disability and Aging Services Commission meeting of Wednesday, June 2nd, 2021 to order. I am the DOS Commission President, Martha Knudsen. This commission meeting is being conducted pursuant to the provisions of the Brown Act and recent executive order issued by the governor to facilitate teleconferencing to reduce the risk of COVID-19 transmission at public meetings. Ordinarily, the Brown Act sets strict rules for teleconferencing. The governor's executive order has suspended those rules. The executive order does require that we continue to notice meetings in advance. The department has met all the applicable notice requirements. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe this teleconference meeting via sfgovtv.org and sfgovtv channel 26, and they may offer public by calling the published public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and staff who are watching us live on SFGovTV. The commission asks and thanks you for your patience during these unprecedented times. We respectfully ask the public to have patience and expect delays and gaps during the meeting, particularly during public comment. To eliminate background interference, all panelists and presenters are asked to mute themselves when not speaking or waiting to present. The San Francisco HSA DOS Commission acknowledges that we are on unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Um, Secretary, can you please take the roll? Thank you, President Knudsen. Commissioners, please respond with present <clears throat> when I say your name. President Martha Knudsen? Present. Vice President Janet Spears is excused. Commissioner Sasha Bittner. Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Jung. Here, present. Comm Commissioner Michelle Carrington. Present. Commissioner Nelson Lum. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar is excused. Please note that DOS Executive Director Kelly German is present. Commissioner President Kinson, we have a quorum. All right, thank you very much. Commissioners, the next item is for communications. <clears throat> We'd like to provide further instructions for the public comment process. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda and during general public comment. Both Channel 26 and sfgovtv.org are streaming the number across the screen. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Comments or opportunities to speak during the public comment period are available via phone call. During each public comment period, viewers and callers will be instructed to call 1-415-655-0001, access code 187-191-6886, press pound and then pound again. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, dial star three to be added to the speaker line. Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down your television or radio. You will have three minutes to speak. You will be informed by the moderator when you have 30 seconds left. 
After 30 seconds, you will be muted and placed back into listening mode. Alternatively, public comment can be submitted by email to bridget.badasil at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commission and will be included as part of the official docket. Are there any other communications from the DOS commission members at this time? Okay, hearing none, commissioners, your next item is agenda item four, approving the minutes of Wednesday, May 5th, 2021 DOS commission meeting, which you received uh, in your email and should have had a chance to review. Are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding the May 5th, 2021 DOS commission meeting minutes? Okay, hear, hearing, hearing none, um, do we have any uh, one from the public who wishes to comment on this item? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their requests. Justin, do we have any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. All right, then hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve the May 5th, 2021 DOS Commission meeting minutes? I move that we approve the minutes. Thank you, Commissioner Bittner um, has moved. Do we have a second from, looks like Commissioner Jung? Uh, Madam Secretary, can you please take a roll call to approve the May 5th, 2021 DOS Commission meeting minutes? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Michelle Sherrington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. President Knudsen, the vote is unanimous. Great, thank you so much. And now, uh, Commissioners, item five, it's my great pleasure to introduce for the first time our new executive director, uh, Kelly Dearman. So thank you for persevering this morning and appearing in front of us. <laughs> but we wanna uh, think we have had a chance to uh, offer you a warm welcome in other forums, uh, but wanted to, again, uh, thank you so much for assuming this position. Um, uh, we were, it was a pleasure to interview you last month and find out uh, so much about you and know what a great fit you are for the commission. Uh, and uh, we will just let you go ahead and provide your first report, but, but just want to say thank you. And um, again, thanks for the staff who uh, pitched in, especially Cindy Kaufman, who is our interim director uh, before uh, um, uh, we, we could have uh, executive director Dearman come on. Uh, so thank you so much for doing that and uh, continuing uh, all of the great staff, continuing their work and, and keeping things running. So we, we very much knew that this was a transitional month and we appreciate what everyone did to keep everything running smoothly. So welcome. Thank you very much, uh, President Knudsen and to all of the commissioners. Um, it is my honor to be here and let's see what we can do with this first report. So um, I'll just give you a brief, uh, rundown of things that are happening on the federal, state, and local level. The big headline is that the president, President Biden, is committed to supporting older adults and those with disabilities to age independently and with dignity at home. The Administration for Community Living received a program-level request of $3.1 billion 
This is an increase of $768 million or about 32% above uh, fiscal year 2021. The majority of the proposed additional funding is directed toward the Older Americans Act programs and services. Specifically, the plans for this increase are as follows. Expand access to long-term care services under Medi-Cal. Extends money follows the person. Investment in the direct care workforce by providing funding to expand the caregiver workforce. Offer higher wages and benefits. We don't know um, yet if this will affect those in San Francisco because the wages here are already higher than most, but we're still hoping it'll um, it'll impact San Francisco and improve training and support. So at this point, we look to Congress to see what they will do with these big, bold plans. Um, um, so we have a couple other highlights um, at the federal level. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services announced that the Office for Civil Rights will interpret, interpret and enforce the healthcare rights laws and Title IX's prohibitions on discrimination based on sex to include both discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and discrimination on the basis of gender identity. The administration also made major improvements to the emergency rental assistance program. The improvements will help deliver emergency rental assistance to the lowest income and most marginalized renters before the eviction moratorium expires. Um, so in terms of the state, the May revise came out last month and highlights, there are many things that will impact us and highlights include Medi-Cal expansion to undocumented individuals who are um, ages 60 and over. And this includes access to IHSS. $2 million to continue expansion of CalFresh efforts to older adults. Um, let's see, the master plan on aging related investments. So that will include $3 million to, um, to CDA to improve their internal staffing policy data capacity to facilitate implementation of the master plan. And $106 million over three years for counties to address the negative impacts of isolation um, and health impacts from COVID on older adults, which can be used for a variety of AAA funded programs, such as caregiver support, nutrition, legal aid, elder abuse prevention, and things like that. And eliminating suspensions to senior nutrition and ADRC funding. Um, also, uh, for APS, there's $100 million for each fiscal year for the next two years. This is called Home Safe Funding. Um, IHSS continues the current favorable state 65% county 35% cost sharing ratio for provider wages. That was expected to reverse in 2022, but they're keeping it. So that's good for us. Um, let's see. It eliminates the 7% cut to hours for clients. That's also good for us. One-time $200 million funding that counties can use for career pathways for IHSS providers. Um, for veterans, there's one-time funds for supportive services for veterans served through the HUD-BOSH housing program. And uh, let's see. Some other items not related, not specific to DOS, but that should be um, informative for us. Over $1 billion for COVID response. That'll be testing, vaccination, outreach, contact tracing, 
And on the homelessness and housing front, Project Home Key will be $2.75 billion over two years. This builds on Project Room Key by, by providing money to public entities to purchase and rehabilitate housing. And about Project Room Key, $150 million of one-time funding, which provides temporary non-congregate shelter. Also, there's the care facility expansion. This is $500 million to the, to the Department of Social Services for competitive grants to buy, upgrade adult and senior care facilities for individuals who are homeless or who are at risk of homelessness. So locally, um, the mayor's budget proposal came out yesterday. The big news here is that things look a lot better than anticipated just a few months ago. There was a projected $653 million shortfall for the coming years. However, San Francisco received relief from the American Rescue Plan, which ensured the budget could be balanced without making deep cuts. This will allow the city to focus on COVID recovery, the impacts of the pandemic, and ensure financial resiliency. So the focus will be food security, shelter, vaccine distribution, testing, and winding down emergency operations investments in small businesses and workforce, safer, cleaner streets, and big money investments in homelessness and behavioral health needs for the unhoused. Finally, um, this year in recognition of World Elder Abuse Awareness Day and California's Elder Abuse Awareness Month, DOS will be launching Solidarity SF in partnership with the Institute on Aging, Asian Pacific Islander Legal Outreach, and the District Attorney District Attorney's Victim Services Division. This initiative is a response to the extraordinarily high levels of violence and hate that AAPI older people have experienced throughout the pandemic. The Solidarity SF campaign will create a network of safe spaces in the community that can be accessed as a temporary place of shelter for AAPI individuals who are on the streets and may be experiencing harassment or feel unsafe. The campaign will enlist merchants and other community places such as libraries to be part of a network of establishments that can serve as a place of support or temporary shelter. Participating businesses will place a sticker in their window indicating that they are part of the program. The project will initially be piloted in the Sunset District in collaboration with the Outer Sunset Merchants Professional Association with the goal of expanding the initiative citywide. We're working on creating a website for Solidarity SF that will include a map of the partnering businesses and community spaces. This map will be updated continuous, continuously so the community can see which establishments they can depend on for support and temporary shelter. On June 15th at 10 a.m., a virtual press conference will be held in collaboration with the campaign's coalition of agencies and Supervisor Mars office to launch the initiative and recognize World Elder Abuse Awareness Day. And that's all I have for now. Thank you. Well, th thank you very much for such a comprehensive report. And it certainly is good news from the federal front. Um, mm -hmm. It's going to just be a sea change in terms of what we can accomplish. And I know we were excited about hearing about that last month and continuing to get more detail is just very helpful. And also great news on state and local levels. It's just not not something we had imagined a year ago. So, and we can use that and, and continue to innovate. So any other um, questions or comments from our other commissioners for Executive uh, Director Dearman? Uh, Commissioner Bittner. 
She has learned so much about diversity, inclusion, and community. She looks forward to continuing work alongside like-minded employees in DOS helping those in need. As we navigate this difficult period of transition caused by an unprecedented pandemic, Dominique has kept her focus on delivering world-class service to the military service members, veterans, and their loved ones in San Francisco and beyond. Dominique would be first to credit the team for her success, but without the commitment of individual team members like Dominique, the team would be weaker and the service standard would falter. Dominique was a key player in the training of our two new veteran service reps and made herself available to the new staff for assistance on demand. I would also like to give Dominique special recognition for her judgment when handling a difficult veteran's pension request. You have done an amazing job and we so appreciate you. Congratulations. Thank you all so much. Do you want to say anything else, Dominique? Oh, oh, if I can. Um, sure. <laughs> all right. I wrote a little something. Uh, so basically, so thank you for this honor. This work is important to me. Um, I'm a product of these benefits because I use the education benefits um, that were afforded to me by the VA and California. And my life was forever changed by these uh, those, uh, benefits. Uh, I don't seek recognition, but I am grateful for the opportunity to show up each and every day and be a contribution to those who put their lives on the line. And I would like to use this platform for um, basically to have people go out and every time they see a veteran uh, to make sure that they are receiving their benefits and going to their neighbor's house who actively flies that um, branch flag and uh, seeing if they're receiving their benefits. And even if not, uh, and even if they are, just, you know, sit down and hear some of their stories because during this, you know, time, a lot of people, especially older veterans, are pretty lonely. Uh, so it's a great time for us to check on those veterans in the community. Um, and this is just the beginning. I look forward to continuing to work for you all, uh, continuing to deliver resources and results to those very deserving um, veterans. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you, and I think that we feel like this year has been enriched by the fact that we've been learning so much more about veteran services, and certainly our Commissioner Lum makes sure that we uh, pay attention to those services and know that we respect what, what is going on there very much. So just thank you for what you do, and we always say uh, every time we get to hear about another employee, all of our all of the commissioners are just so impressed with the work here, but especially around uh, something that's a, that is not recognized as much as it should be is all the work that goes to. And I will say that in my own family, uh, I've had members not realizing they had benefits that were afforded to them. And when they got them, it made the difference between life and death. So I, mm -hmm. I really understand and appreciate what you're doing. Um, so anybody else want to make a comment? Commissioner Lum, would you? I just want to make a, a comment on the fact that uh, as an old veteran, I truly appreciate the effort that you put in to help other veterans. And, uh, and because of that, your, uh, your recognition is well deserved. Thank you. Great. Well, Thank you very much. Thank oh, Commissioner Jung. I think Commissioner Jung wanted to make a comment. I just want to say congratulations, Dominique. Um, 
couple months ago in April, uh, we uh, the commission uh, was presenting an excellent report about your office, and it really is uh, it puts kind of a face um, to all the work that your office is doing. And I just want to express my congratulations. Thank you for your excellent work. Thank you. All right. I think we can move along to um, item seven. Um, Commissioners, item seven is the advisory council report presented by the advisory council president, Ms. Diane Lawrence. Good morning, um, executive director Dearman and commissioners. Um, the advisory council met on um, in May as we regularly do. Um, we're, we continue to work on our membership issues. Um, I think we have another member possibly being approved at this morning's meeting, which will be great. That'll bring us down to um, two vacancies on the commission side and we continue to work with the Board of Supervisors on um, getting district representatives. Um, we had some reports as always from the field. Uh, this month, we have a Dignity Fund update. Um, and there were some updates um, by community providers on 300,000 for digital literacy using iPads. Um, discussions of it at the meeting also about issues around transportation, counseling, coaching, the whole issue of coming out of the house, the fear of re-entry um, after the pandemic that many are feeling um, obviously is, is of concern um, to all of us. Um, they also discussed the new needs assessment for the next five years, and that's being worked on. And our representatives to the Dignity Fund <clears throat> Committee mentioned that they were focusing on uh, groups of consumers and providers. They'll be surveying staff, clients based on those impact, the clients that were um, impacted by the pandemic, an evaluation of current programs, and then continuing to address the lack of knowledge of the services um, of DOS and its services uh, for the um, adults, um, seniors and persons with disabilities um, and then other city services. Um, their efforts to get the $3 million um, allotment back this year, um, advocacy work is being done with the mayor and the supervisors Council members were urged to lobby our supervisors, which many of us have done. Um, and we, information was shared by our members on um, how to reach out um, so that we can um, try to get that $3 million back that the legislation says cannot, is not allocated in years where there are budget uh, impacts. Um, and obviously, as we all know, there's no way to fund everything um, to accomplish everything that's needed. Um, also discuss, there was discussion of transportation, which is an ongoing topic <clears throat> for many of us because it doesn't seem to be working well. So um, those are, that was the update from there. Excuse me, the LGBTQ survey. Did we lose everybody? Okay, um, we're good. The LGBTQ adult survey. Um, again, they um, 
the final report was delayed yet again, but Marcy did have some updates for us. Um, there's some, they found that there were some service gaps in shopping and health, but the majority of respondents, somewhere between 83 and 97% were getting the services they need. So they were really pleased with those. The most unmet need, uh, mental health and counseling. This goes back to the other discussion earlier about isolation issues. Um, there's an interest in this population with telehealth. And as you know, we're tracking a bill um, that would al allow for more of that. Um, depression has increased as have stress levels, especially among people with disabilities. And it's anticipated that the full report will be completed in June. The uh, council, um, and I'll talk a little bit more about this in the joint ledge report. We did approve sending three, sending letters of support for three bills that are moving through the legislature and I'll address those in the final, um, in my joint ledge presentation. The senior um, housing ad hoc group gave their second update and we continue to work on site visits. Um, we had planned and, and updated our um, May meeting, but we had um, the person coordinating it was unable to attend. So we've postponed it to June and um, the various members reported on a number of things. One being that the community living campaign is really emphasizing walks in various community, focusing on getting their neighbors outdoors help, um, not only with health, but help reduce isolation and begin getting people to, to venture out again um, post-pandemic. So that's kind of where we stand um, as of this point in time. And at our June meeting, we'll welcome Commission, uh, Executive Director Dearman for the first time. And we're looking forward um, to that. I did send, gave the um, Executive Director an update of where things were um, as part of my welcome on behalf of the council. So I can go right in, I'll go right into my joint ledge, which I typically do. Um, Wait, hold on, we send out the list of uh, Ms. Lawrence, we want to give the commissioners a chance to ask questions. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. Did we have any questions from the commissioners? Um, I had a comment. Mr. Bender. I had a comment. Sure. Um, if we need any of advocating um, for the advocacy money, let me know. For the advocacy money? Yeah, for the dignity fund allotment? Um, yeah, let me know. I guess we would know when the budget is finalized? No, no, no. If you need, oh. um, if you need, um, advocating for oh, the I think our members, our representatives would say yes. Yeah. Any help advocating with your supervisor and or the mayor uh, would be helpful. Yeah, um, we can talk about it offline, but. Okay. We can talk about it offline. I can share with you, sure. And um, I just wanted to do know um, if them if there any special consideration given? Is there any special consideration given? Um, the people with disabilities. The people with disabilities. And um, that's getting out and about. 
in terms of getting out and about? I know I've been isolated myself. I know I've been isolated myself. I know, but I do have family members and friends I go out with. But I do have family members and friends I go out with. But, um, you know, I'm just wondering about that. I'm just wondering about that. I will reach out to the our Dignity Fund representatives to see if there's any discussion. And I'll get back to you, Commissioner. And thank you so much. On Great. Were, were there any, any other commissioners that had questions about the advisory committee report? I don't see anything. So let's move along then uh, with the legislative report, joint le legislative report. Yeah. I wanted to get that note down to my, for myself. Sure, of course, of course. <laughs> Otherwise, I will forget. Um, <laughs> we... Um, as, we've, as I've discussed before, we're tracking specific bills each month where there are, um, that are ones where there was changed over the course of time. And those are the ones I'll focus on, but as always, you'll get the complete uh, list in, in the report. Mm -hmm. um, so we had decided um, at the joint ledge committee, we discussed uh, focusing on three bills uh, to recommend to the advisory council so which the advisory council approved for letters of support. And the first one was AB 383, which is on mental health for older adults, which is an area that um, the council is been, it's concerned about and that we are looking at the, um, so this was a bill that we spe specified uh, to be tracked. And there's a gap in spending, um, especially around older adults monies are not distributed in a systematic manner across throughout the state and oftentimes is used um, is deferred for use in young adult programs or it isn't spent the, the current language in the bill is very broad um, and it came out of a proposition years ago so there's there's not um, an oftentimes an equitable spending from um, what was brought up at the meeting and with the pandemic, the issue of mental health at all levels but has taken on new importance, but especially for older adults because of isolation. And what has been found is that for older adults, there is an increase in isolation, obviously, because of the fear of the pandemic, a loss of peers, um, increased mortality rates, all leading to, um, uh, to mental, to either beginning mental health issues or increasing them. And if there was already a history of depression, PTSD and or other anxiety symptoms, those have just doubled with COVID. So um, per the University of San Francisco, University of California, uh, San Francisco, about one third of the population right now is ex uh, exhibiting clinical symptoms of anxiety, which is one of those concerns I mentioned earlier about the, the helping people feel more comfortable getting out and about with the pandemic. So we're sending a letter um, on those um, areas. The other, the second bill is AB 484, Medi-Cal Long-Term Allowance, uh, Long-Term Care Personal Needs Allowance. The current personal needs allowance is $35 a month. It has been $35 a month since 1984. 
and this bill is uh, asking to raise it to $80. And I've been doing, I've been on the joint ledge committee for at least seven years, maybe, if not longer. This bill I have reported to this commission and previous commissions multiple times that always goes down uh, due to budget issues. There was a um, provision to index it to the consumer price index, but that's been eliminated. Um, and we've advocated for this bill in the past. And then the third bill is SB 675, which is property taxation. And I've mentioned this in previous meetings. And this bill um, passed in a previous session, but Governor Brown vetoed it. And it would allow monthly payments of property taxes throughout the year via uh, electronic means. It has broad support. Um, and it has brought up and it has opposition from the California Tax Collector Association. Um, so various members are drafting letters and we'll be sending those to the department for property proper review and then sent to our local representatives. There are a couple of bills I wanted to quickly point out. Um, I won't go over them all, but I'll make notes in my report. Um, the um, First one is again the mental health, um, and one of the things on in this bill is they'll be providing a report that will be posted on the website um, that will talk about um, to look at the outcomes related to uh, key indicators and begin to um, assess and monitor the mental health services for older adults. Um, also a um, some changes in the bill AB four eighty seven four fifty seven protection of client of patient choice in the telehealth act, and this would make sure that um, the provider that someone um, is notified when they elect to receive service for, um, through telehealth through a third party. Um, the enrollee or insured is receiving specialty telehealth services for mental or behavioral health conditions, the bill would require that the enrollee or insured be given an option of continuing to read that, receive that service with a contracting individual health, health professional clinic or contracting health facility so that there's no disruption in that service. Um, again, uh, this is a change on the emergency services vulnerable populations bill. This is AB of 580 and this bill would require that to uh for the director of emergency services to appoint representative representatives of the access and functional needs population provided a majority of the appointees are from specified groups to serve on the various committees and to ensure the needs of that population are met within the system so um this is this was a change. And the three specified populations are blind, uh, hearing impaired, and those with cognitive and sensory um, concern issues. So um, we'll continue to monitor that. Um, we're looking also looking at the um, internet access with AB 665. And this is basic internet services in residential care facilities for the elderly. And um, we need some more research on this, but this becomes part of the broadband and um, internet services that 
um, you've asked about in the past. And um, oh, on that one for the sake of time. Continuing to do, there's a joint bill between AB 911 and SB 515, which are comp, which are exactly the same, both in the assembly and in the legislature and in the Senate. And this is looking at appropriate appropriation of funds for ADRCs and long-term care and support services. The bill would require the department to establish an LTSS benefit task force or utilize an existing board commission committee or task force to focus on long-term um, services and support benefits needs in the state of California. And the report would be due to the legislature by July 1st, 2023 um, on the specified findings and recommendations. Um, communications and broadband, AB 1176 that we've been watching that bill would add until January of 2031, a $0.23 cent per month access uh, per line um, surcharge, monthly surcharge to deposit in the California Connect Fund that would be used to expand broadband, broadband services. And um, I think the other, there was one I was particularly um, advancing and innovating on Medicare, uh, Medi-Cal, and this would expand, um, enhance care management uh, and require that uh, the department re departments report annually on the utilization that allows, uh, that looks at the demographic populations. And this would, um, to mitigate social determinants of health and reducing health disparities and inequities. Um, there is also a bill to add HIV to the California Older Americans Act. That um, is one we've been watching along with the um, SB 380, the end of life bill. And all it did, it's now added um, about five, um, three new supporters and they eliminated the sunset rule. This bill was established, was going to sunset. And it, from, as I mentioned before, this bill expands on the legislature, on the existing law, which had a um, sunset of January 1st, 2026, um, and simplifies some of the uh, requirements for end of life directives. And I think that was, I think that's it. Um, oh, there is one other, SB 648 uh, care facilities, and that would allow IHSS providers into adult, into acute care facilities. And the, um, this is particularly important according to one of our um, members who worked with the ombudsman program to help um, in small care facilities where there are six or fewer beds. And this bill would require the department to distribute up to 4,000 monthly stipends of $1,000 per resident to facilities that meet specified criteria. And it would require the department among other things to establish guidelines for distribution of the stipends 
and the bill would require the facilities that receive the stipends to report to the department uh, specific, specified information, including brief descriptions of how the stipend was used to um, benefit residents. It is a pilot program that would um, sunset in June of 2026. So I think that is it for this month. And are there any questions? Um, Commissioner Bettner, yeah. Um, will it be 515? Um, will it be 515? For SB 515 is there. Any requirements? I'm trying to find it. Were there any requirements for the competition of the tax pools or whatever it is? Is there any requirements? Requirements? For the demographics of the tax pools? For the demographics for the tax reports? No, um, task force. Task force? Yeah. It doesn't give any demographics for the task force, but I'll check on that and we'll, we can bring it up also at the um, joint ledge meeting, um, but we'll, we'll follow up. So we'll have an answer on the 16th when we meet joint yeah, ledge. Good, good yeah. question. Yeah, I forgot where I forgot where I asked you before. So, thank you. Thanks. Now we'll get that information. I have a question. Okay, Commissioner Carrington. Yes. Is there is there a team, or do we have a team, or will there be a team to help um, our? Um, senior citizens get out um, during the day? Is there someone to help with that? There are some. There's no specific legislation on that. I know the Community Living Campaign is working, as I mentioned earlier, with their um, neighborhood um, connector programs to get people out. Um, in our, in my supervisorial district, our connector program has a um, pop-up on the second Thursday of every month. Um, this will be the third month where seniors can come um, have their meeting. Last month, there were over 50 people there that come out. There are demonstrations. There's a person who shares some of our writing with folks and has done some um, online writing programs with the Community Living Campaign. There are, um, and it just becomes kind of a meet and greet. Last month there happened to be a, a pop-up coffee person with some donuts and that got people standing around talking and visiting. Um, and I think a lot depends on what the community the senior centers are doing, and that's part of our discussion on our site visits. Okay, and you said this is the second Thursday of each month. Yes, and that's on that's in District Four, out by G and Any High School. Um, 
but the community living campaign, I can forward to Bridget their monthly calendar and she could forward it to commission members. They often will describe all the activities that are going on in the various parts of the city. Yes, I would appreciate that. Sure. Thank Anything you. else from other commissioners? Now, it seems like uh, the interesting thing about the legislation is that the pandemic has amplified some of these needs that we've known about right. for a long time, uh, especially around mental health and the devastating effect it had on elders, leading mm -hmm. to a lot more deaths and things like that. So let's just hope this passes this year and we get some of that assistance that we've really needed. And the broadband, let's hope that again, it, right. it, it amplified the need and where we are, let's just hope that that legislation passes and gets funded and we can see some improvements. And so um, many of the, so yeah. much of the legislation coming out of the master plan is mm -hmm. really focused on putting money into those, couple of those key you know, goals, so like mm -hmm. mental health, like long-term yeah. uh, services and support and broadband and how important those are. Um, so I think mm -hmm. keeping one's fingers crossed, it's all kind of as you just right. mentioned. Let's just, let's just hope it, it comes together this year. So thank you for keeping us up on that. Um, sure. I, th I sure. think that's it. Any other comments from commissioners? So we'll move on to um, uh, the case report, item 10. Commissioners, item, that's item nine. Item nine is the case report. Presented by Mr. Greg Moore. Right, sorry. Okay. President Knutson, Commissioner's Executive Director uh, Dearman, uh, good morning. Greg Moore, board member of CASE. Um, it is uh, an honor and a pleasure to be here giving this report. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm coming back home as I had the, the honor of giving the monthly report for a number of years. Um, I will make this um, brief. Um, as uh, President Lawrence gave, uh, spoke of a number of items um, that CASE has been concerning itself about. Um, let me just summarize in saying that, as we all know, these are, are truly remarkable times that have uh, caused everyone everywhere to do their daily tasks to do daily operations programming in a new and different way. Um, at CASE, we find our member agencies are having to do this, uh, have been doing this for the past year and continuing to have to reinvent um, um, how they are doing things. Um, and I'll be speaking a little bit to that point. Um, we have, as I believe has been reported to you uh, in previous um, uh, commission meetings, um, we currently have two budget uh, asks out, um, one for the, the digital divide, uh, funding for additional funding for digital um, divide support has been a case item, gosh, I think most of the years that I've, I've participated with case um, uh, and there's always a need for more. I'll just leave it at that. We've um, spoken about this before. Um, the other is um, also an item, um, a request for funding that uh, we have made previously uh, in the area of mental health. 
Um, this is around uh, resources um, for our member agencies, for staff, so that they can better serve um, a rapidly growing and rapidly aging segment of our San Francisco population, our, our, our seniors and people with disabilities. As the uh, senior population grows, there are more individuals with mental health uh, needs um, that uh, staff, agency staffs are not uh, trained or necessarily prepared to deal with. Um, and as our senior and disabled population ages, those mental health needs become even more acute. Um, so hopefully we will, will uh, be successful in, in advocating for that and any support that uh, you can offer to supervisors would be greatly appreciated. Um, a quick update on the um, writing project that gosh has, has uh, been in the works for, for quite some time. Um, we have identified and hired an individual journalist, uh, uh, Judy Goss, uh, Goddess, to, to uh, really run this, this small project for us um, uh, and look forward to hopefully here um, in the very near future being able to share some of the results with that. A questionnaire is going out to our member agencies that will be utilized to identify uh, subjects uh, for this writing project, um, which will be uh, as as the project has has taken longer than we initially uh, had envisioned, um, we've redefined it to to focus on those agencies and efforts uh, during the pandemic, pivoting in place with their programs, their resources, um, but also now uh, as reopening is is beginning. Um, and, and seeing how it's uh, affecting uh, our member agencies as they serve our seniors and people with disabilities, how these changes, um, how, how, how they can best be utilized going forward. So we look forward to sharing that again um, in the near future. Uh, case programming coming up um, this summer. Um, Executive Director Deering will be joining us um, uh, at our June case meeting. We look forward to having her uh, with us and, and appreciate her taking that time. Um, we'll have Patrick Arbor um, with us uh, talking about some of the uh, psychological uh, underpinnings, needs, um, uh, status uh, updates uh, with individuals as we begin to come out of, of the lockdown um, and isolation. Um, again, to better uh, help prepare our uh, agency staffs in serving uh, their clients. Um, we have begun planning a uh, panel presentation on HIV and senior population. Uh, as we have learned in, in the last number of years, um, HIV has a significant impact, health impacts on uh, people as they age. Um, how do our um, agencies begin to prepare for that as this population is aging? Um, so we look forward to that probably in the early uh, fall. Uh, we're hoping to um, uh, secure an ableism training uh, from Senior and Disability Action. Uh, and possibly there's been a request around um, a presentation on elder abuse. Um, 
President Lawrence also talked about the, the ideas with Dignity Fund uh, being discussed uh, uh, around the, well, first of all, the $3 million in funding that, that uh, we all want reinstated, but uh, where that may go. So I won't uh, take your time to, uh, to repeat those. Um, I think I will leave it at that and um, answer or try to answer any questions you may have. Okay, well, thank you very much. Um, do we have any questions or comments from our commissioners for Mr. Moore? Okay, thank you then very much for all the work that, that gets done by all of the different parts of the case. So we always appreciate getting the update. Thank you. Um, then I think we're going to move on to Commissioner Lum um, for item 10, uh, and we have a nominating committee report from him for the advisory committee, I believe. Madam President, fellow yes. commissioners, on June 1st, 2021, at 1500 hours, the nominating committee of DAS met. After establishing a quorum, we interviewed candidate Ms. Tia Small for the position of DAS Advisory Council. A brief discussion took place between the commissioners after the interview. The committee voted to recommend that DAS Commission moves to approve the appointment of Ms. Tia Small to represent the commission on the DAS Advisory Council. Council. I therefore make that a motion. Great. Th thank you so much. Commissioner Lum, do we have any questions or comments from commissioners on this? And seeing none, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on uh, the nomination of Tia Small for the Advisory Council and the motion? Please open the phone line for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their requests. Justin, are there any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. All right, great. Then there's been a motion by uh, Commissioner Lum as chair of the uh, nominations committee to appoint uh, Tia Small to the um, uh, advisory committee. Do we have a second for that motion? I'll second. I think I heard from Commissioner Bittner, so he'll be the second. And um, can we have a roll call, please? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Michelle Curran, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. President Knudsen, the vote is unanimous. Great. Well, th thank you very much. And just on behalf of the commission, thank you, Commissioner Lum, for putting that together and making sure we had a nominations process and also to uh, Ms. Small for uh, taking the time to serve on this committee. Uh, could, we want to express our uh, thankfulness for the commission for her serving in that. So if you could let, let her know, um, President Lawrence, that would be great. I will. And thank you all. We're okay. pleased to have her. Good, good. Um, and I think we're moving into uh, item 11. 
or for public comment. But, yeah. Right. Commissioners, item 11 is public comment and opportunity for members of the public to address the commission on matters that are not on today's calendar. Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment and we'll allow some time for callers to enter the queue. Moderator, are there any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Thanks. Great. Then um, I'll move along. Um, commissioners, the next agenda item is 13 new business, and that is items A through F, all action items that require a vote by the commission. We skipped old business. Oh, okay. Sorry. So, commissioners, your next item is 12 old business. Please indicate by raising your hand if there's any old business that you would like to discuss. See none, I'll hand it over to President Knudsen to call the next item. Okay, great. <laughs> As you heard, commissioners, the next item is agenda item, um, is all the new business we have. Items A through F are action items that require a vote. Item A is review and approval California Digging Health Insurance Counseling and Advocacy Program, HICAP, Contract HI-2122-06 and the Associated Budget and all subsequent amend amendments. And I have seen Ophelia Trevino float up here for us. Uh, welcome uh, for the presentation of this. Thank you. For Good morning, coming. Commissioners. Thank you, um, Execu Executive Director Dearman. Welcome. My name is Ophelia Trevino, and this morning we seek your approval as part of the contract certification process between DAWs and the California Department of Aging. Approval of this contract will allow us to receive grants from the California Department of Aging that will be used to administer the Health Insurance Counseling and Advocacy Program, also known as HICAP. HICAP is a Medicare-focused program assisting Medicare beneficiaries or family members and caregivers navigate the complexities of Medicare. The program provides free and unbiased client um, community education and individual counseling and advocacy for clients. These services help beneficiaries and their family members understand their health insurance benefits, best health care options, and, and also understand their health care rights. HICAP operations are currently administered by health, self help for the elderly via contract with DAWS, um, and staff and counselors are fluent in English, Chinese, Korean, Russian, Spanish, and Tagalog. A few things I'd like to note for this year, as of April of 2021, HICAP has provided services to approximately 1,780 clients, of which 17% have a disability. And for this fiscal year, the program is on track to meet the contracted performance measures. For fiscal year 1920, approximately 1,981 clients were counseled, and the program was able to reach 3,811 low-income clients. Of those, uh, 2,845 indicated English was their second language. Due to the COVID pandemic, the majority of uh, HICAP services in San Francisco and counseling were offered via phone and video conferencing. Um, thank you, I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have. Great, Th thank you. Um, yes, I know that many friends have gone on Medicare and used this program, so it's a very, very useful thing to get through the impossible descriptions of this very complicated program. So I, I know that it's, it's utilized and it's very effective. Um, and good that during pandemic, we had that high of a, a 
a participation rate. So that that was good to hear that it, it we, they kept on providing for those who turned 65 this year. So that was good. Um, any other any and this is a program that we've renewed a number of times. Uh, but any questions from our commissioners at this point, or need any clarifications that are needed? I'm hearing none. Um, do we have any one from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item A? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item A. We'll allow some time for callers to enter the queue. Justin, are there any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, great. Well, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we will close public comment. Is there a motion from, a, from the commissioners to approve item A? Motion to approve item A. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Carrington has moved and I saw uh, Commissioner Jung second that. Um, Madam Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve uh, item A? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Michelle Carrington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. President Knudsen, the vote is unanimous. Great, thank you so much. Um, Commissioner, the next order of business is item B and also requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with the Felton Institute for the provision of the long-term ter care ombudsman program during the period of July 1st, 2021 through June 30th, 2025 in the amount of $2,888,000 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $3,176,800. And Michael Zog has come to us <laughs> uh, and will present the item. Welcome, Mr. Zog. Good morning, uh, President Knudsen, fellow commissioners and executive director Dearman. Um, I'm Mike Zog, I am program director for Office of Community Partnerships and happy to present this item, a new four-year contract for our ombudsman services. Um, these services have historically been provided by Felton Institute. Um, the contract is set to expire this June 30th. So through the spring, we procured, we went through the procurement process to locate, uh, to, to establish a new contract to continue service. Through that process, um, we have again selected the incumbent um, Felton to continue the services for four more years. Uh, the Ombudsman Service uh, provides a variety of advocacy services on behalf of residents of skilled nursing facilities and assisted living facilities. I think people most commonly know them um, as responding to complaints and concerns from residents, but they actually provide a number of additional services such as consultations to residents, families, um, and the facilities themselves on rights and regulations. Um, they must be there to serve as witness for any advanced healthcare directives, which are completed in uh, skilled nursing facility or assisted uh, living facilities. Uh, they also participate in larger systemic advocacy work, um, including things like um, serving as experts at um, legislative hearings um, and, and working in, intimately in, in implementation of new um, regulations or policies. Uh, the COVID pandemic saw the ombudsman 
in many ways literally shut out of some of these facilities as you know skilled nursing facilities in particular had some of the most restrictive um, access uh, 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 restrictions put in place, of course, designed to protect the, the most vulnerable populations through the pandemic. Um, during that period, the ombudsman switched to um, virtual and phone platforms to connecting with facilities and residents. Um, that was not ideal, um, but it was did have some degree of success where they were able to work one-to-one -one with clients. Um, there was actually some noted success in the realm of participating in care management meetings and other meetings on site. When those moved to um, virtual platforms, um, the sort of care, the patient care group that comes to those meetings, that includes things like um, the medical staff, the caregivers, family members, the patient themselves, and the ombudsman. Um, this sort of venue for this actually showed increased participation, as I think in many ways it, it dropped some of the barriers that are reasons why people might not be able to make it to a meeting. Um, so I think that was kind of one of the positives, um, and that is something that will probably be seen as a viable option uh, kind of going forward. Um, now that um, kind of looking at the service levels over that year, it's actually pretty impressive. The number of complaints and the number of cases closed by the ombudsman over the over this past fiscal year are, are pretty close to on track to previous years, which is about 500 uh, cases per year. The number of clients that they actually interacted with um, did drop quite a bit. So that's sort of outside of complaints, they're able to go and be on site and interacting with clients and they track that number. So that um, did drop, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly due to the access restrictions. Um, as things open back up, that is recognized as um, something that needs to, the ombudsman knows they need to get back into the facilities and, and be making face-to-face -face contact with folks. Um, we saw, um, you know, the ombudsman staff and volunteers um, uh, through the pandemic were going through weekly um, COVID uh, testing to ensure um, health and safety. They are all now 100% vaccinated um, across staff and volunteers. Um, we saw them starting to regain more and more access to assisted living facilities in the fall and winter of 2020. Um, access to SNFs has really increased since February of this year. Um, and while there are still restrictions in place, we see things evolving um, to where the ombudsman um, will get more and more back towards normal services in the coming weeks and months. Um, I think uh, what I wanna do and in, in my final thing I wanna highlight on this program is the, um, you know, the Ombudsman service is a volunteer driven service and these volunteers that sign up are very committed people who have to go through initial, extensive initial training and ongoing continuing education. Um, and I was very surprised, may not surprised, but pleased to know that, that the volunteer corps actually did, they only lost one volunteer um, over the past year. There was only one volunteer who was not able to continue to participate in the program. Um, and they actually have a new class of volunteers um, going through training right now. 
So the, um, the current volunteer corps is up over 20 volunteers and growing. And these are some of the highest numbers of volunteers we have seen in this program um, really in many years. So I think it speaks to um, the very dedicated group of volunteers um, that is involved with our ombudsman program and are helping carry out those services, as well as I think some credit is due uh, to um, Felton Institute for their ability to recruit, uh, engage, um, and retain uh, volunteers, particularly through a very difficult times. So with that said, I'm happy to uh, answer any questions the commissioners have on this item. Oh, great. Thank you so much for that thorough report. Um, uh, uh, do we have any comments or questions from commissioners about this important program? Commissioner Jung. Hi, Mr. Sock. I have first comment. I, I think this is a uh, very, very important program. And I'm happy to hear uh, about the uh, increase in volunteers and how well the program is going. Um, just uh, kind of a general question. I understand um, in terms of um, outreach and informing residents and their families about um, this program. I know there's required postings in all the facilities. How else uh, are residents and families and friends notified of the services of the Ombudsman Office? Yeah, so as yeah. you noted, there are posters um, and flyers placed in facilities. Um, the Ombudsman program also maintains a web presence um, uh, with social media um, and, and postings to get the word out on the web. They're also very active in um, meeting with family councils and other um, uh, community groups to make sure that they are um, making people more aware of, of their services. Um, I, you know, I think, you know, one example sort of off the top of my head is each, you know, many facilities um, will have a resident council or a family council, um, and they are making sure that they are, are attending those at least regularly to get the word out that they are there and what they do. Okay, thank you. And then I'm going to ask a specific question. In looking at the documents, um, I noticed under salaries and benefits, that there's actually a funding for a language specific Ombudsman Cantonese. And I was wondering um, how that need was identified and also um, to broaden that need, how uh, other languages are addressed. Um, being that there is a language specific one in the budget, but uh, what about other languages? How is that being addressed? Yeah, so, you know, we noticed when we look, well, when many people know, looked at, um, you know, residents across uh, skilled nursing facilities in particular, that there is a high incidence of monolingual um, Cantonese-speaking populations, um, and this needed to be a, this needed to be addressed. And and what we did is, I think, through a board of supervisors ad back, um, funding was added to add a dedicated staff position in that language, and so. We see that on the staff. We see that on the staff roster. That is that position is always going to be in place and dedicated to that. So that should um, that particular individual leave that position, we'll know that that role will remain there. Um, it is it is incumbent on the um, ombudsman to really be ensuring that they're able to 
meet the language needs of all of the residents so that they can provide effective services. Um, so that's done through kind of a mix of, of use of, of staff language capacity and you know, targeted recruiting um, to try to um, retain um, language capacity in-house. Um, currently we have uh, in-house there, we have uh, Cantonese as well as Spanish uh, language capacity, uh, French and Japanese as well, although those may not be as, as highly utilized. Um, so they know that, you know, current need right now is particularly around Russian, uh, Korean, and Tagalog uh, languages. So that is something that they are, um, they are working on recruiting. Uh, recruiting. Okay, thank you. Any other comments or questions? Did we hear, was there a commissioner that wanted to speak? I can't tell if that's me, feedback from me or a commissioner. I think it's me. <laughs> um, I had a question, Mr. Zog, if I could. Uh, later on in the agenda, we're gonna be uh, reviewing the uh, um, project open house to do some outreach for the senior LGBTQ community, especially in long-term care facilities. And this is a kind of a broad question. I don't expect you to be, if we could maybe get information later, but how, um, how much do Fel does Felton work with the Project Open House on these issues around making sure that they're culturally um, competent for uh, LGBT people who are in long-term care facilities? And do we collect SOGI data through this, um, this particular grant um, this partic about, through the program, just to know yeah, how much yeah. we're serving? Yeah, a couple, couple questions here. So yes, yes. we do collect, <laughs> we do, we do collect, so I'll start with the easy and go backwards. So we, we, okay. uh, we do collect SOGI data um, on this program. Um, I don't have that handy to me right now. Um, open hand and, um, or open house rather, and the ombudsman program um, are aware of one another and they are working together. Um, when we, back in 2019, I believe we had the, um, you know, I think the statewide legislation related to um, the LGBT Bill of Rights and skilled nursing facilities. Um, and that was something that was led um, here um, by, um, open house in partnership with the ombudsman. So um, a handbook was developed by open house um, and printed in um, both, both hard and um, electronic copies and widely distributed. It launched with a training um, that incorporated the ombudsman program um, as, as part of that training um, and included information about the ombudsman program as a resource in um, understanding and enforcing um, that legislation. That got off to a great start and then 2020 happened and we've lost a lot of momentum as to okay. where, where exactly that is and what we're doing with it. So it, you know, the infrastructure and the plan is in place. Um, in fact, I, when I was talking with um, the ombudsman yesterday, that was brought up as something that needs to get back on track. Okay. But, yeah. 
Okay, thank, thank you, because there was this obvious bridge here with the two, two things coming up today, and I just wanted to make sure that was sort of clarified. So thank you, that's good to hear. Um, then I think unless there's anything else from other commissioners on that, uh, do, we, do we have anyone from, I don't think so, um, then anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item B? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item B. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their requests. Justin, are there any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Gr great. Then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve agenda item B from commissioners? Commissioner uh, uh, Jung has moved and a second from Commissioner Carrington, I think. Um, yes, Commissioner Carrington, <laughs> thank you. Um, Madam Secretary, can you please take the roll call vote to approve item B? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Michelle Carrington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. Uh, President, the vote is unanimous. Okay, great. Um, thank you. Um, commissioners, the next item is C and also requires a vote by the commission. Uh, it is requesting authorization to enter to a grant agreement with Leah's Pantry for the provision of citywide nutrition counseling and education services during the period of July 1st, 2021 through June 30th, 2025. Sorry about that. Um, I'm sorry, that made me lose my track. <laughs> okay, it's all this technology, get it. So let me start again. Requesting authorization to enter into a grant agreement with Leah's Pantry for the provision of citywide nutrition counseling and education services during the period of July 1st, 2021 through June 30th, 2025 in the amount of $586,268 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $644,895. And do, yes, I do see Lauren McCaslin here to present the item. Welcome, Lauren. Good morning, commissioners and executive director Dearman. My name is Lauren McCaslin and I'm a nutritionist with Office of Community Partnerships. We seek your approval to enter into a new grant with Leah's Pantry for the provision of citywide nutrition counseling and education services. This program began as a pilot in fiscal year 1718 and Leah's Pantry is the current grant holder. The purpose of the program is to provide nutrition counseling and nutrition education workshops to older adults and adults with disabilities enrolled in congregate and home delivered nutrition programs. The services promote health and well-being and assist individuals who are at risk for nutritional health in gaining reliable access to nutrition-related supportive services. Leah's Pantry will collaborate with DOS-funded congregate and home-delivered nutrition providers to host the nutrition education workshops and promote nutrition counseling services. During the pandemic, Leah's Pantry offered services over the phone or through virtual programming. For the new grant, Leah's Pantry will transition back to in-person services in conjunction with phone and virtual programming in order to continue to reach 
home-delivered home -delivered meal participants. In a nutrition counseling session, clients will make nutrition-related goals based on the advice and guidance from the registered dietitian and have the option to meet with the RD once or on an ongoing basis. In a nutrition education workshop, participants will learn nutrition-related health and wellness practices in a group setting. Workshop topics include cooking healthy foods in a limited kitchen, reading nutrition labels, making healthy choices, and recipe demonstrations. The workshop curriculum will be updated annually based on participant feedback and interest. I'm happy to answer any questions you have at this time. Great, well, thank you very much. Are there any comments or questions from the commissioners on this item? All right, then seeing none, Madam Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on item C? Moderator, please open the phone lines for public comment on agenda item C. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their requests. Justin, are there any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. All right, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we will close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item C from the commissioners? I move. Okay, it's been moved by Commissioner Bittner. Do we have a second? Second. second. I think I heard from Commissioner Carrington first. She'll be the second on that. Um, Madam Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item C? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Michelle Carrington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you, President Knudsen. The vote is unanimous. Great. Thank you so much. Um, commissioners, the next item is D and also requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with Open House for the provision of cultural humility training in service to LGBTQ plus older adults and younger adults with disabilities during the period of July 1st, 2021 through June 30th, 2025 in the amount of $241,040 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $265,144. And yes, I see Sarah Hoferberg here to present the item. Welcome. Thank Ms. you. Hoferberg. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, good morning, Commissioners and Executive Director Dearman. My name is Sarah Hoferberg, and I'm a program analyst with the Office of Community Partnerships at the Department of Disability and Aging Services. I'm here today to ask your approval to enter into contract with Open House for the provision of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer, or LGBTQ+, cultural humility training to mainstream social service agencies that serve older adults and younger adults with disabilities. The purpose of this program is to raise awareness of the unique health and aging-related issues of LGBTQ+, older adults and adults with disabilities. It also reveals barriers that hinder service provision to this population and demonstrates specific ways to overcome these barriers by working with mainstream uh, service agencies to create a welcoming culture for LGBTQ plus consumers. Additionally, as part of their cultural humility training program and on an as requested basis, Open House will train staff of long-term care residential facilities regarding San Francisco legislation ordinance 47-15, which established a bill of rights for LGBTQ plus residents of long-term care facilities. 
Open House has been delivering cultural humility trainings in service of LGBTQ plus older adults and adults with disabilities since 2007 and has been successfully providing this program with DOS since fiscal year 1617. Excuse me. Over the past few years, it has become increasingly apparent that organizations attending the cultural humility trainings are wanting and needing more support. To this end, Open House will be devoting the first year of this contract, not only to trainings, but to revamping their current trainings and building on the skills of their trainers. They will also be developing an assessment tool that will identify the specific goals and needs of organizations and a training evaluation tool that will be utilized to assess and assist with organizational development. By taking this time to further develop the cultural humility training program, Open House will be able to tailor their training and support to the unique needs of each organization and develop a deeper partnership for training and transformation. During this first year of the contract, Open House will also complete seven cultural humility trainings and seven hours of technical assistance to seven different agencies, um, training a minimum of 75 people. And during years two to four of this contract, Open House will provide 15 trainings and 15 hours of technical assistance to 15 different agencies, training a minimum of 150 people annually. Every training participant will be asked to complete a consumer satisfaction survey administered according to Office of Community Partnership guidelines. And additionally, Open House will conduct LGBTQ long-term care resident bill of rights trainings as needed throughout the entire contract. Um, and just to kind of speak on further what Mike was saying previously, um, back in 2019, when the Bill of Rights, when it was published, um, the booklet was made by Open House and um, Open House did multiple trainings and we ended up getting the majority of, or representatives from the majority of long-term care facilities in San Francisco trained. Um, actually, once the pandemic hit last March or in March of 2019, 20, 2020, sorry. Um, the only trainings we had left on the agenda were actually large staff trainings at Laguna Honda Hospital, um, which we have not been able to do yet, but are planning on doing those once things open up a little bit more and things are less chaotic um, just in general. Um, luckily, Open House has been able to conduct trainings via Zoom um, and have continued to do so. So once those Laguna, uh, Laguna Honda Hospital trainings happened, we'll have touched the majority of uh, facilities in San Francisco. So we're on really good track to um, get everyone trained. So at this point, um, that is my presentation and I'm happy to answer any further questions. Okay, well, thank you, Ms. Hofferbergen. Um, I think this issue is important to me. Uh, years ago, conduct, I conducted some of the first hearings on this issue as part of the Human Rights Commission. Um, and that was one of the very most important items that came out of that hearing um, is just how uh, people were so had to become closeted in order to get uh, services in long-term care facilities. Uh, certainly, we are changing that. <laughs> and I think we're improving on it. And um, and yet it has taken so long for this to come to fruition. The hearings were many years ago. Um, so I will be just very interested in getting the data we can uh, for uh, the results. You know, hopefully more people accessing, more people um, being able to uh, provide uh, much more sensitive uh, treatment for uh, 
LGBTQ uh, people uh, as we age in San Francisco. So um, I'm just excited about it. It's a, again, a, a sort of a moment here to, to continue to see this and uh, that we, it's good to hear that we persevered during the pandemic to continue those trainings because it's a, it was probably even more important than ever uh, as people were very, very isolated during that time. So thank, thank you for that report. Um, any other comments or questions by commissioners? Um, uh -huh, Commissioner Bittner. Um, do you do you, um do you have trainers? You have trainers within the population. Within the population. And that you are training about. That you are training about. No, like, do you have younger LGBTQ? Do you have younger LGBTQ? People with disabilities. People with disabilities? And well, the older LGBTQ people with disabilities. As well as older LGBTQ with disabilities? Actually doing the training. Actually doing the training? Um, in terms of conducting the training, no, not that I know of. However, um, I will say in terms of content, um, I would say Open House is a master at just intersectionality and um, looking at every person as an individual and always um, very conscientious about um, adults with disabilities. It is um, part of every training that they um that they conduct yeah no that wasn't really my question i'm with the bad king i was just asking if the people impacted all if the people being trained about how being about being trained at least and bought by the community they are in. Uh, I'm sorry, Sasha, repeat that. And then the, some of the trainers. Some of the trainers? And, um, and some of the, the trainers of, you know, within those communities. Are in those communities. Thank you, and I know you do a great job. Thank you, and I know you do a great job. So I just um, want to clarify, you're asking if any of the trainers have disabilities from Open House? Either disabilities or older. Like older people, because yeah, because like I um, I like to have I think training the moment back when they're done by the um the people um, you are training about, and I know that's difficult, but. Um, actually, so as far as I know on their current training team, the answer is no, but I do know that they have, um, 
a vacancy that they are hiring for to be one of the main trainers. And I know that that is something, you know, that they are conscientious of and if possible that, you know, of course would yeah. um, welcome anyone onto the team. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Any, thank you, Commissioner Bittner. Um, any other commissioners on this item? Uh, Commissioner Lum? Yeah, just a uh, question. Do you give uh, uh, in your uh, uh, hiring of uh, instructors, do you give any preference to uh, veterans? And does open or does open house give uh, preference to veterans? Yes. Yes. Um, I don't know for sure, but I'd be happy to find out the answer to that question and uh, let Bridget know. Thank you. Great, thank you. Um, any other questions from commissioners? Then hearing none, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item D? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on item D. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their requests. Justin, are there any questions in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Thanks. Great, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Um, is there a motion to approve item D? From commissioners. Motion to approve <laughs> item D. Okay, uh, thank you. Commissioner Carrington has moved and Commissioner Jung has seconded. Um, is uh, Madam Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item D? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes, yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Michelle Carrington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. President Knudsen, the vote is unanimous. Great, thank you so much. And thank you, Ms. Hopperberg, for that. Um, commissioners, the next item is E and also requires a vote by the commission. It is requesting authorization to modify the existing grant with Glide Foundation for the provision of free meal programs during the period of July 1st, 2019 through June 30th, 2021 in an additional amount of $115,000 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total not to exceed $3,621,981. And staff uh, Tiffany Kearney will present the item. Here we are, welcome Ms. Kearney. <laughs> Thank you. Um, good morning, commissioners, President Knudsen and Executive Director Dearman. My name is Tiffany Kearney. I am the lead nutritionist for DOS. We are asking the commission to review and approve a modification to Glide Foundation's grant agreement for the daily free meals program. Glide will exhaust most of the meal funding in this grant with the submission of their May invoice. This modification will add $115,000 to help support meal services in the month of June, which is the final month of this grant agreement. You may recall that we presented a new grant with Glide for the free meal uh, program last month and that new grant starts July 1st. The demand for nutrition support in the city remains elevated. The pandemic has exasperated food insecurity, 
which was already a pressing and widespread issue before March of 2020. Glide is one of several DOS community partners that are meeting the increased demand and in doing so helping ensure low-income San Franciscans who are among those most at risk for being food insecure have access to a sufficient quantity of affordable and healthy food. Glide's uh, daily free meals program offers three nutritious meals, uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day of the week, year round, with a particular focus on serving low-income individuals living in the Tenderloin and South of Market neighborhoods. The program also serves as a gateway to other community-based services. Glide has a long-standing history of providing services for San Francisco residents most in need and having a strong partnership with DOS and the city as a whole. Glide is currently providing modified meal services because of the pandemic and offering clients meals to go. The provision of modified meal services will continue until it is safe to transition back to a congregate setting. We are confident that as the city continues uh, to recover and emerge from the pandemic, Glide will meet the evolving needs of the community and in particular, the needs of individuals living in the Tenderloin and South of Market neighborhoods. Thank you for your consideration, and I'm happy to answer any questions the commission may have at this time about this grant or the modification. Great, thank, thank you so much. Um, any questions or comments from commissioners? None. Uh, Madam Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item E? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item E. We'll allow some time for callers to enter the queue. Justin, are there any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, Madam yes, Secretary. there is a caller in, in the queue. I will transfer over. Thank you, Justin. Hello, caller. Hello. Your three minutes begin yeah. now. Hello, thank you. Good morning, commissioners, and thank you. My name is Wesley Saver, and I am the policy manager for Glide. Thank you, too, to Tiffany and to Mike Zog for your continued partnership on this. Um, on behalf of the organization, we are certainly appreciative and in support of the modification to the existing grant for the provision of our daily free meals program, and we respectfully request the commission's I vote. Uh, at Glide, we believe that access to adequate, nutritious, and safe food is a fundamental human right. We operate this program in line with our belief in food for all, and that is no exceptions, no exclusions. So as such, we will not turn anyone away who's hungry. Our daily free meals program has no eligibility requirements, and as it's been said, we provide three nutritious meals a day, 364 days a year, and we've done so for decades our site's an HACCP-compliant kitchen, and it conforms to the California Retail Food Code, and we've developed a menu with a registered dietitian to meet 100% of the daily recommended dietary allowances. Prior to the pandemic, one in four San Franciscans, that's nearly a quarter of a million people, needed food services. And the economic consequences of COVID-19 have really only made it harder for our low-income families and individuals to meet their basic needs. For example, mm -hmm. childhood hunger in California has now doubled. It's currently one in three households with children are food insecure. Unfortunately, 
in order to operate our daily free meals program and meet the growing need of missing meals among our hungry neighbors and loved ones, the current funding model requires us to pursue additional private resources to cover nearly half the costs, which are not funded by the DAS contract. So while we're tremendously grateful, and this will certainly make a difference, um, we do hope that consideration will be given further down the line to additional modifications so that we can sustainably um, combat food insecurity in the city, along with the other food providers. Thank you very much. And again, we respectfully request your vote. Thank you, Colin. Sorry. Are there any other callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no other callers in the queue. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, th thank you so much. And the commission always appreciates uh, people taking the time to make uh, very, the public comments that they do. So thank you for that. Um, uh, hearing no further uh, requests for public comment though, there, is there a, a motion to approve item E from the commissioners? I move, I move that we approve. From uh, Commissioner Bittner has moved in a second. second. Uh, from, from Commissioner John, thank you. Um, Madam Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item E? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Michelle Carrington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. President Knudsen, the vote is unanimous. Great. Thank you so much. Um, commissioners, thank the next you. item. Thank you. Um, the next item is F and also requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with self-help for the elderly for the provision of a peer ambassador program for older adults and or adults with disabilities during the period of July 1st, 2021 through June 30th, 2023 in the additional amount of $1,008,000 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $1,611,401 and again, a staff member, uh, Michael Zog, will present this item. Thank you, Mr. Zog. Hello again, commissioners. Uh, this item before you is a, is a contract modification looking forward from July 1st uh, with supporting significant expansion of our senior escort services, which are focused on the AAPI community. Uh, the development and expansion of this service is unfortunately, of course, in response to the wave of community violence targeting Asian uh, members of our community. Um, this program and this contract has come before the commission um, a couple times over the past few months, um, and that's us sort of adjusting, making adjustments to the contract and uh, renewing the contract out further. Um, those initial um, uh, actions helped to build the base of this senior escort program. Um, the item here today is to help expand that and provide support for that out for the next two years. Um, this is as we get a better understanding of the need in the community and how this program model is going to operate. Um, the modification before you today will significantly expand uh, services, um, including by hiring of new dedicated staff for the program, including a program coordinator and a volunteer coordinator. It will also bring on uh, multiple dedicated um, escort staff who will be doing a lot of the, um, the trips and the escorting out in the community. Um, it will create the establishment 
of hubs based in district districts one, four, seven, and eleven, um, where escorts um, are going to focus um, and potentially be based um, where they will deploy out from. Uh, this is in addition to a hub in Chinatown, which is already in place and operating. Um, this expansion will also incorporate use of MonaMe software, um, which will, uh, which is a tech solution to help streamline the onboarding um, and then matching and scheduling of staff and volunteers with program participants uh, in need. Um, the MonaMe software um, first came to sort of our awareness um, through the pandemic. Um, where we um, utilized it as part of um, sort of our response efforts in matching uh, volunteers and staff who were uh, running tasks and errands on behalf of vulnerable populations who were sheltering in place. It, it worked out really well. Um, the the community-based organizations utilizing it really enjoyed using it and felt that it really enhanced um, program operations. So we're gonna go ahead and, and launch it here and utilize it here as well um, through this senior escort uh, program. Um, this program really got moving um, in mid-May. Um, since then, um, it has already provided escort services on 75 trips across 45 uh, different people. Um, uh, the program word continues to get out about the program, demand continues to grow. Um, and with this new funding, we hope to um, meet uh, the, the demand uh, for the service throughout the community. Uh, the most, so far what we've seen, the most requested trips tend to be going to medical appointments um, uh, or banks um, or grocery stores uh, for trips. Um, one unique one we had that was great um, was uh, someone who needed escorting to uh, their outdoor Tai Chi class um, that they had been uh, unable to attend recently because of concerns about the travel between their home and the class. So it's really connecting people to really a lot of the key services uh, in their lives. Um, I would say sort of in closing to keep an eye out in the community, um, I have seen there is some new um, sort of identification uh, clothing, some brightly colored um, jackets and vests that the um, escorts will be wearing uh, that have sort of uh, contact information about how to participate in the program. So I think that's pretty exciting. So keep, keep an eye out if you haven't already seen them out in the community, um, but that'll be a great way to let people know um, uh, that the program exists. W one of the ways to let people know the program exists and how to participate, as well as really showing um, our commitment um, to, to the community and, and, and protecting people who are feeling unsafe in, in current times. So with that, I'm happy to answer any questions the commissioners might have. Great, well, thank you, Mr. Zog, uh, for presenting on this very, very important program. Um, and I'm so glad we are trying to expand it and, and improve it. Um, do we have comments from commissioners? I think, Commissioner Lum, did you have a Mr. Zog, uh, this is a general question, not uh, not necessary in in uh, uh, in direct uh, uh, relations to the request by self help. Are these uh, the, the amount of money that's being requested? Uh, you know, is that being taken from the, the assessment of the individual organizations, 
all or have these organizations work with you as a representative of the city to come up with these numbers? It's it's a combination of both. We we um, we launched this program um, and and worked with Self Help for the Elderly to identify the size and the need for that. Um, and together, you know, they had put together a proposal as to what kind of staffing levels would be needed to sustain um, a successful program. We then take a look at those numbers and those staffing levels, make sure that they look correct um, and, and move forward based on available funding. That, so it's a combination, is that, is that a good short answer? Thank you. Other, other commissioner comments or questions about this agenda item? Uh, commissioner Zhang. Oh, I just want to say, um, pleased to see that there is an expansion of this program. Uh, definitely is a um, need. Um, what I just wanted to clarify is um, the last time um, this contract was uh, brought before the commission was April and included um, funding of round numbers, about uh, $500,000 for both the peer and ambassador as well as for escort. So this additional funding, is it all for escort or is it also expansion of the peer ambassador program? These funds are, these new funds that we're adding are all focused on the escort program. The, okay. the ambassador program is also functioning. It has a slightly different um, uh, purpose. Um, so, the, so this new large size contract going forward is a mix of the two. Okay. And um, clarify for me, um, the staffing for escort is both um, staffing uh, through self as well as volunteers that can be trained. Is that how it's being done? That's correct. Okay, okay. And what about um, the language capacity? Do you have a sense as to what language needs are, what how and how that's been met and how it will be met? We are, I think we're still figuring that out. We know that there is extensive, extensive language capacity within self-help for the elderly, um, including Cantonese, Mandarin, uh, Toshanese, um, and, and others. Um, the others, it's still to be determined. I think that they, many of these positions haven't been hired yet for, um, so I suspect that language may be something that they seek within their recruitments. Okay, and then my last question has to do with uh, outreach. How are we getting the word out to the community that this service is available? Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, it's going out through a lot of things. We're seeing, you know, of course, press conferences with the mayor um, and news stories. There are um, flyers and sort of other digital sort of media being passed around, um, uh, circulated through networks. Um, we are, um, it is something that our, um, our TUGOF um, integrated intake hub, they are aware of this program and they are serving as a um, resource to, to, um, uh, to accept um, people for this program. They're also able to um, provide this as a resource for people calling in seeking services. Um, there's also self-helps outreach, including um, through their networks, um, as well as I mentioned, the, just the, the ambassador, the escorts themselves being uh, 
sort of identified in the community clearly so that um, the program is, is, is seen in operation. Okay, all right, thank you. Yeah. Any other commissioner comments or questions for Mr. Zog on this item? Then hearing none, um, do we have any comments or questions from the public? Moderator, please open the phone line for agenda item X. We'll allow some time for callers to enter the queue. Justin, are there any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, great, thank you. Hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion from commissioners to approve item F? Motion to approve item F. Okay, moved by Commissioner Carrington in a second. Second. I think I saw Commissioner Bittner, if I'm not incorrect there. <laughs> second, second from Commissioner Bittner. Um, and uh, Madam Secretary, can you please roll call the, uh, call the roll call vote to approve item F? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bitter, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Michelle Carrington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. President Knudsen, the vote is unanimous. All right, thank you so much, commissioners, for all of those action items today. Are there any announcements from commissioners or anybody? Hearing none, then I will adjourn the meeting. Um, I think as we're getting through this, tech technically people are in different places and uh, I just wanna always thank everyone for the extraordinary effort they're going through to make sure that um, uh, we make these meetings happen, especially the staff and especially our commission secretary, Bridget Batazo and Justin. Uh, Chico, who makes sure we have public comments. I didn't, I don't know if I said that in the beginning, but wanted to make sure I said that at the end. And uh, once again, Executive Director, uh, Dearman, um, <laughs> thank you for, for being here and uh, we'll close out the, and adjourn the, the fir your first meeting. So thank you for everyone. All right, we'll see you. <laughs>
days, preferably, do you want to do it this month, next month? Um, and why don't we do it at the end of the month?